When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I know we have still not shattered that highest and hardest glass ceiling, but someday someone will, and hopefully sooner than we might think right now. The 9th of November... 2016. Women the world over waited with bated breath in the hopes that Hillary Clinton would become the first female president of the United States of America. But on that same day, it wasn't a ceiling that was shattered, but our hopes. And to all the little girls who are watching this, never doubt that you are valuable and powerful and deserving of every chance and opportunity in the world to pursue and achieve your own dreams. Arguably, women over time have had to fight to have their say, even if it means that they must try and try again. But the question is, was it just too soon, or was it enough for the ceiling to be rattled rather than broken? I'm Sonia Sly, and in this episode of Eyewitness, I'm looking at what it means for women to be in the driving seat. Fortunately for us Kiwis, isolation has meant that we've done things our own way. We were the first to give women the right to vote, and in the late 90s we had two consecutive female Prime Ministers. Jenny Shipley was sworn in as the country's first woman Prime Minister today. It is our intention in the next two years to focus on what we have in common. We represent something a little bit different in personality, certainly not, not dull. But while women have come a long way in New Zealand, that doesn't mean that men always took us all that seriously, as illustrated in this parliamentary debate prior to the franchise bill being passed in 1893. What they said at the time, when women got the vote. I think it is an acknowledged fact that a woman has, on an average, five ounces less brains than a man. Hold up, did he just call us pea brains? If she had five ounces more brains, I think she would be very useful here. (laughs) So is there an underlying negative view of women that still prevails today? And how did it affect the women who held the top five ranking positions in this country 15 years ago? It still is harder to get to the top because look how seldom it's happened subsequently. Theresa Gatting was among the top five in 1999 and held the position of CEO for Telecom, one of New Zealand's largest corporations. There was a group that were not surprised and very supportive, but there was a group that were just blown away. And whether that was about gender or me as a person, I'm not entirely sure. I'd always been very determined and um, had set my sights on running a large company in New Zealand. For Teresa, a rise to the top has always been about seizing opportunities, regardless of existing attitudes at the time. It was because I drove my car off the road and took the person to lunch who who helped me get my car back on the road that I heard about the head of marketing job at Telecom, for example. So I got to Telecom quite accidentally. During the time that I was CEO, I went to attend what was probably the last National Women's Conference that we've had for a long, long time in New Zealand. And Dame Sylvia Cartwright spoke at that. 
at that stage, you had a female prime minister, female leader of the opposition, female head of telecom, female mayor of our largest city, female head of the largest government department, and Shana Elias, head of the judiciary. And she predicted very astutely that it would be very unlikely that we would be replaced by other women. Well, all those roles, except for Shana Elias, now have new people in them, and guess what? They're all men. And that has never been an inhibiting factor for this self-confessed feminist. I did women's studies alongside majoring, doing an honours degree in business. That would be unusual now. It was unheard of 30 years ago. I don't think we'd ever achieved quite as much as as a gender in terms of equality as people sometimes said at that time. It wasn't that we were running everything, because underneath us it was, and around us it was still mainly men. It just seemed to me irrational that, that she wouldn't accept women for the capabilities and abilities that they had and the contributions they could make. It just irritated me. So you think, well, I, I've got a right to be able to be part of this country and to fully participate. Professor Margaret Wilson was appointed the role of Attorney General in 1999 and throughout her career was driven by the desire for women to hold equal ground in a legal and political sphere. You couldn't see individual women being able to fulfil their potential, not others, but their own potential and contribute to their community accordingly, unless first there was legal equality and then there has to be substantive equality. But you needed the legal equality to provide the platform, but then it's a substantive equality that comes after that, to genuinely say women lead different lives, but their lives are of equal value and can contribute. A woman's place is in the home amongst her children. From time immemorial, the home has been the sphere of women. Did it feel like a sort of symbolic or momentous occasion for you to be holding one of the top-ranking jobs in the country? Not really, to be honest. I was so terrified at the prospect of the amount of work I had to do that I wasn't thinking externally. Obviously, people commented on it and you thought, well, I hope this can help others because at least it sees that women are quite capable of doing this job. Some people will agree with the way I do it. Some will disagree, just as they do with with men who hold uh, the similar positions. The experience that led to that particular event, I suppose, started in the 1960s and 1970s when the United Women's Women's conventions were taking place throughout New Zealand during that decade. There were many campaigns for women's rights and I was involved in those. And I think that gave me an understanding then of not only the importance of the equality of women, I probably knew that intuitively, but uh, also how difficult it was going to be in terms of forgetting anything to change. But what we were doing was laying the foundations for that change at that time. Even Helen Clark admits to having to go the extra mile to be seen and heard. I, I don't think I've worked to be like a man, but I certainly think I've had to work a lot harder than uh, perhaps many men would have uh, in the job because women have had to establish credibility in what is a non-traditional occupation for them. I think I got some idea the more I became involved politically as to how hard it was going to be to actually affect change. And certainly in 1984, the Labour women had adopted an equality agenda. And I guess you can say 40 years on, most of that has been fulfilled in terms of the law. There are codes that exist in the business world, and for Teresa, that also meant dressing the part. Style of dress in those days was more formal than it is today. So I did dress the way that I felt was the way that I should, but always colourfully. 
I think women still tend to have less confidence. There is something in that putting yourself forward, taking the risk of rejection, not waiting to be asked, understanding your worth and negotiating for it. So there, there is something in that whole line, which is, but there's also something in the being overlooked to be a leader because you're not a tall white male. If you don't fit that mould, you have to be as good if not better. You have to have enough confidence to make sure that whatever comes at you that isn't supportive, you can actually push back and just carry on and be very determined. For Margaret, paving out a career in law meant standing her ground with very little support. I think that there was the assumption that you were not going to be serious about paid employment. You, to some extent, were um, always overachieving by trying to do better and prove that, in fact, you could do it better than anybody else. My generation is just a bit before the opportunities that were there. So you weren't so much driven by other people's expectations. If they didn't have many of you, you just went out and did what you wanted. There is nothing laid down more emphatically in the scriptures than the subordination of the woman to the man. That is the truth. The sexes are not equal and never will be. I was told quite early on that I wouldn't get advancement in the university because women got married and had children, so why would you invest in them? They didn't stay in the jobs. I didn't feel resentful about that, to be quite frank. I just went out and did what I could. My mother was was a major influence, actually. She was the one who always insisted that um, women should have an equal education, but also that we had rights. I was educated by Dominicans at secondary school, and they were lovely Women who were very intellectually arrogant, which was good for us. <laughs> there weren't a lot of women, if you like, in, in my generation that were ahead of you that, that I knew, having been brought up in provincial New Zealand in the Waikato, small country town, uh, that you, in quotes, looked up to. Did it always feel like it was just one long, hard slog? Most of the time, yes. And you can have some fun on the way, of course. I mean, it's not like you want to say life's a misery. But you're constantly fighting, and you take often two steps forward and then one step back. We did achieve quite a lot in the, in the 80s, actually. And then the 90s arrived with neoliberalism and the market and the, the notion, in fact, that the market would produce equality. And, of course, we found out that that wasn't the case. So then you had to, again, when we became the government try and reinstitute the institutions and the structures that then would enable that change to take place. Thankfully, a lot has changed for women, but that's not to say that more change isn't needed. The most important thing is that what women do is valued, and of course much of our work historically hasn't been in paid employment, and it's been uh, undervalued because it hasn't been paid. Now we've got more and more women in paid employment, but we're still undervalued in terms of what we're paid. Of course, there's always prejudice to be overcome before you can get any social betterment. Prejudice impedes progress all the time. You've been listening to Eyewitness, produced by me, Sonia Sly, engineered by Phil Benj, with additional audio from Natonga Sound and Vision. And you can subscribe or listen to every Eyewitness podcast on iTunes or the RNZ website, rnz.co.nz forward slash series. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, 
about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.